Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle, and we're the HR analytics dashboard helping HR and people leaders automate your HR reporting and analytics process. We've heard from hundreds, if not thousands of you saying that your current HR reporting process includes you pulling manual, tedious, and time-consuming spreadsheets, and you want to pull your hair out because you can't believe that you haven't found a better way. Well, look no further. That's why we created Employee Cycle, an HR analytics dashboard with pre-built integration connectors to the most popular HR systems out there. So with a few clicks, you can view, share, track, and analyze all your data in one place. Check us out at EmployeeCycle.com. We'd love to give you a demo and explore how we can help you automate your reporting process so that you can become smarter and more data-driven. But that's enough about me and our company, because today we have a great guest. So please help me, please help me welcome to the show, Nick Jestet. He's the Senior Director of People Analytics at TIBCO. And today we're discussing what direction should HR take moving forward? Nick, welcome to the podcast. Nick, welcome! Excited to be here. Thank you for having me, Bruce. circuitously. My my background was in uh, mathematics, economics, and computer science. Uh, And I certainly did not think I was going to be in human resources. But I had a, 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 she's now just a phenomenal mentor. Um, And at the time, HR data science, HR analytics was kind of in its uh, infancy, it was kind of incubating. She reached out and I was doing finance for a company. She said, do you want to do data science for HR? I said, I don't really know what that means. She said, great. I don't know what that means either. So let's figure it out together. (laughs) Um, So she was just an incredible mentor. She let me fail um, and fail fast uh, and then learn a lot. And I think we built some really cool things together. So that's kind of how I got started in HR and I've never looked back. Awesome. So today we're talking about a very big and bold topic, which is what direction should HR take moving forward? And the reason why we chose this topic is because in our pre-interview call, you were giving me some comments and context around how you view HR at a really interesting inflection point. So I would love to kick off the interview with that, and then we can dive deeper into what this means and where do we think HR will go moving forward. Of course. Yeah, I think, um, you know, as as we were kind of talking about, and I'll, I'll restate here briefly, there's just been, and, and you can almost use it in the microcosm of this like return to office and, and the focus on culture and engagement uh, right now, especially. But we, HR for so long has kind of come out of this like textbook and philosophy driven practice, right? It was very much about supporting the business. Here's the model. Here's where it comes from. Let's uh, focus on kind of this like a growth mindset, which are all good things, by the way. Um, but it's, it's very, an- it was very anecdotal. Um, again, very textbook. And so I think this is kind of where you've seen HR get a reputation at times, and this is starting to change, but at times for being a bit dense, a bit daft, and and that they really are not there to support the employee in any capacity. Uh, and on the flip side, you're seeing this counterculture that it started a number of years ago in HR that just says, we need to be data-driven. We need to be as strategic as we can. And we need to have the same kind of seat and authority and influence that the chief financial officer has uh, when they when they meet with their executive board. And that's been pretty transformative because if we go back to kind of why finance has been so successful, 
it's because of that integration of data and insights and kind of the activation of those insights into actions um, and into taking and, and, and coming up with business plans. And HR can take a, a page from that book. And so you're seeing two, I think, cultures in HR, one that's resting a little bit on what they know, which is, again, the philosophy versus this group that wants to be transformative with data and provocative and innovative. Um, so I think I've probably given away my bias uh, in, in those early comments. Uh, but it is interesting. And that, I think that that's right in the middle of where we are right now. It is interesting. And as I think about so many things in life, we always say it's a balance of art and science. And so if you agree that HR is both art and science, what do you think are the mission critical components of the art and then also the components of science that needs to remain as part of the core competency of HR to make sure that the role and the community is moving forward in the way that it should be. Yeah, I think that's really good. So let me start on the arts piece because I couldn't agree with you more on this arts and sciences dichotomy. On the arts piece, I think that there is just something truly beautiful about the HR business partner role and being personal and that personalized touch to HR. I know that everyone talks about, hey, it's, we got to move towards scale. We got to move towards efficiency. And so there's automation upon automation um, that comes from systems and even from this like transformative HR side of HR, right? But there's just such a criticality to having that human part of human resources and having HR business partners and just a function that can meet with you, talk to you, treat you like a person, um, understand, lead with empathy. There's art there and it just helps anything else land better. So as we get into the sciences piece, that's more about kind of the data driven. How do we keep people here? And that should be more influenced by, you know, to the extent that you can, data and analytics. Uh, how do we keep them happy? What's our focus on wellness? That's all supported by data and analytics. And that's the science piece. But the activation, especially I think the efficient and, and effective uh, activation of all of those science pieces of HR have to come to the human piece of HR. And that, there's an art there, certainly. There's a lot of things that software companies, consultants, blogs, the media always tries to create hype around in order for specific roles or personas to do. And making HR more data-driven is one of those things where everybody's always talking about it. People are debating what does it mean. But from your perspective as a person in people analytics, for those HR leaders who are not doing any just even basic reporting or have any cadence around that, what are they missing out on? Because I find that there are certain HR and people leaders that believe that, yeah, my CEO doesn't really care about it that much. I'm not going to prioritize it. I'll get to it when I get to it. But if you're not using data to make the to make decisions, will you kind of be fine depending on the size of your company? Or are you absolutely missing out on mission critical opportunities to be a much better leader? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'll say that you might be fine if it's if it's really in its infancy and it's a small company. And, and even then, I think there's a lot of value that can come from focusing on the data within HR and the analytics within HR. But if you're ignoring this trend, this macro, what I would say macro level trend of data influenced and data activated human resources, then you're missing out on the ability to have more meaningful conversations and to prove to your team, your full team, not just HR, but your full company and, and your organization, that HR is smarter than it's ever been. It's faster than it's ever been. It can help kind of help. It can help the employee and help the business better than they've ever done before. Um, and, and it just seems so quick and easy. Again, to your point, they'll say, well, you know, this is a nice to have. It's not a must have. I would argue start small. You know, I, I think a lot of people get intimidated because they look out at the data analytics marketplace and they say, well, I'm so far behind at this point that I might as well not even start. Let me kind of rest on what I know and what I know best. 
but start small. You don't need to have a transformative AI-influenced machine learning regression model that predicts your attrition (laughs) to to have power through data. And I'm not saying not to do that either. That's fascinating. There's some really, really compelling research that we've done and that many of my peers in the industry uh, have, have looked at, of course. But the ability to even just say, what is our attrition? And can I heat map this by my different groups? And not just, you know, functional areas, not just the regions or countries you might be in or locations. But where are you losing people by tenure? Where are you losing people by management level? Where's the intersection of all those? What about the influence of DEI? There's so much that can help even just on this small case of attrition to say, where do I have problems and where am I strong? And then going back to your arts question, if I can see where I have issues, it's just just diagnostic. You're just doing data analytics through diagnostic lens. But then I could activate my business partners to go do focus groups, to be more directed and influenced and, and kind of deliberate. And there's the art there, right? There's an art to to that discussion and those follow-ups. And I think that's really, really powerful. Um, but if you're not doing anything, you're just guessing. And if you're throwing darts in the dark, you're going to miss a few times. You also might hit a few times, but if you're throwing darts in a bright room, chances are you're going to land and be at least more directionally accurate than you would have been otherwise. I know we're talking about data a lot, but in regards to the broader direction of HR, yeah, there's so many things that are popping up in a lot of articles and networking groups and conferences for HR to now have more empathy more than ever before, or for HR to understand how to manage remote workforces more than ever before. Are all of these things just tactics that need to be supported by data or with data, or are there a lot of other things that are really competing interest? in regards to the amount of time that you have as an HR leader that you also really need to level up on as we think about the broader direction of HR? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. Um, And it goes back to just the criticality of the arts piece, which is just to be empathy, uh, empathy driven. Look, in my perspective, I don't think data and empathy are mutually exclusive. And I, I absolutely believe that empathy should be our chief driver of HR and actually of finance and engineering and, ev- and IT, every piece right now needs to be empathy driven because the world is such a complex and chaotic place to some extent. And if you lead with empathy, it localizes everyone's feelings, brings you back to a centerpiece. You know, there's, there's things we need to care about on a big, bigger macro scale, certainly. Um, and and I, I imagine we always will. But being empathetic uh, to your teams, especially in the midst of like an ongoing pandemic, wellness struggles, you know, just the chaos in the news, empathy proves to people that you have a culture that's worth sticking around for. And that's going to improve your retention numbers. It's going to improve your engagement numbers. As we get back to the data, empathy is a lever, a really meaningful, probably key foundational lever to all of the success outcomes you want when you're looking at your metrics, your dashboards. So I think that they go hand in hand more often than they don't. Um, And again, I think too many people think, oh, data and HR must just be looking at efficiencies and how to cut headcount and save money. And it's it's not that Uh, often. It's not that. Um, So I think that uh, being empathetic and making sure your leaders are empathetic, your managers are empathetic, whether that be with trainings or interventions or what have you, is going to improve all your metric outcomes as well. Hopefully that answers that. It does. It does. Also, when it comes to framing a role or a department in a company, it's really about the narrative and the naming convention of what this persona is. And I know we've been through a lot of changes in regards to HR versus people operations, people and culture, even with people analytics versus workforce analytics. How much do you think, as we're, as we're talking about the direction of this role and career path, 
how much do you think these naming conventions actually impact what the role should entail and how people actually perceive the role, especially when it comes to CEOs? <laughs> yeah, I I think People Analytics is a pretty good name. I, I won't get too caught up in the semantics. I'll tell you something. I you know I, I do think naming is certainly important. What's in a name, right? I, I think it's very important. I will say that something I just can't stand that HR has done for such a long time is refer to things as human capital. I just think it's so corporate and gross. Um, and it's, it's this naming convention that maybe you look at it and you're like, okay, but these are people don't call them human capital. They're people. They have feelings. They have lives outside of work. Um, they have motivations and drivers. Uh, they bring a ton of value, but they also probably to your workforce. If it's like mine, bring a ton of levity and comedy and empathy. And, uh, in some cases kind of like, you know, family. Um, so those are really, really important things. And, if we can just call it people analytics or people insights, you know, I just think it comes, it lifts off the page a little bit than like HR business intelligence does, for example. Uh, and it's just trying to get away and step away from these very corporate sounding words. And that's kind of the future of HR and, and the future largely of companies is to be more real and less textbook. I know we're bouncing around, but I actually like this because we're touching on a bunch of different things that all make up the true direction of HR. And so when it comes to career pathing for HR, especially when we think of people who are individual contributors or early in their career today and 10, 20, 30 years, they'll be the heads of larger global HR departments and they will be the direction. They will set the direction moving forward. Do you think this is more of a choose your own adventure type of career path? Or do you think that there are key components that every HR or people leader or whatever you're calling yourself or your role should have as you're on this journey? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think I think it's a little bit of choose your own adventure. There's there's ways to get to the top of HR, so to speak, if that's what you're after, through a d- number of different lenses, right? Whether that's systems, whether it's kind of a background even in finance or IT, whether it is you're an HR business partner and you just have a real passion for the, the people and, and employment law, whether it's learning and development and the support you do there, even kind of in the talent acquisition space. Uh, so I think that there's a lot of avenues, certainly, and I don't think it's one size fits all. But I think everybody, as far as a few competencies that they have to have for growth in HR, I think that data in HR, not to always come back to it, but it is what I do. Uh, but data in HR, I don't think it's going away anytime soon. So there has to be a comfort level with with data. And again, for the longest time in, in HR's history, data was not the focus, right? So you have a lot of people that get a little squirmish around data, and they don't need to. It's, you know, if you have a good data team or some good data partners, you don't need to be the one that fully understands every metric or how it's calculated to see the value in it and how to use it and how to make it influence your decisions or have it influence your decisions. Um, so I do think that there has to be comfort level with with um, with data. And then increasingly, I notice in, in a few HR teams I've worked with and, and for, make sure you understand what your business does, right? How does your business make money? How does your business support its customers? And, you know, what is that business model? What keeps your, uh, your teams happy and, and there? Those are really important foundational things. I think t- some people go in and they say, well, I'm, you know, I'm really good at learning and development. I can do that anywhere. And you could, absolutely. But you'll do it better if you know why your business is, is successful and what makes it successful because you can complement rather than just be in addition to. Nick, I could talk to you about this all day long, but I want to ask you one last question. You mentioned your uh, disdain for human capital. <laughs> and so I wanted to know, are there any other things that you wish HR would stop doing or stop saying or even stop thinking moving forward as we think about this direction of where HR is going in the future? Yeah, it's it's a really it's a really good question. If I could give one simple thing, and it's a lens that we go through, 
because we sit in HR all day, right? So some of just the HR-isms are going to wear off on me, on you, on any HR team. As I ask before we put out anything, even within our own HR team, I'll say to my team, "Eh, take off your HR hat, go sit as an employee for a second, go through the lens of an employee or a manager. Is this jargony? Does it sound corporate or does it sound real? Does it sound human or does it sound robotic? Go through that lens and you'll see how much I think falls off and how much can get reworded and reshaped and just repositioned. Um, And I think that increasingly you see CEOs that are mindful of that, just C-suites in general that are mindful of that. And the more you can lead that instead of them saying like, this is, you know, can be read as tone deaf or what have you. I think the better and bigger value you bring with more immediacy. So it's just a small thing. And, you know, there's there's a lot of areas where I think HR can continue to evolve and get better. And and luckily, I think there's a lot of really smart people on that track. But put everything through the lens of how's this going to land, not with us in HR, but with anybody outside of HR, anybody in a company, prospective candidates. Does it sound real? Does it sound human? Does it sound authentic? And I think that that's the, the ticket to success for HR going forward, no matter what it is. Nick, this was a really fun conversation. And I truly appreciate you jumping on the Employee Cycle podcast and dropping all of your knowledge and wisdom and comments for where you believe HR should go in the future. So thanks so much for being on the Employee Cycle Podcast. I appreciate it. So Nick, where can people find you and Tipco online? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can find me at my my LinkedIn uh, profile. is a good place to see. I post some articles and, and such over there about kind of what's going on in people analytics um, to the extent that I'm working on it um, and elevating the voices of a few of my really smart team members. So that's on my LinkedIn, Nick Jested. Um, and then please check out Tipco Software. We do some really cool stuff in the data space, um, data space integration space. So if you need to connect data in, in, into different areas uh, through just about anything, we're uh, we're a great partner there. Awesome. And we'll be sure to include all of that contact info in the show notes. So for all you listeners out there, if you've enjoyed this interview as much as Nick and I did making it, please leave us a five-star rating to show that we're providing great content. Also, if this is your very first time listening to any of our interviews and you either came here because you're already a huge super fan of Nick and you just had to hear what he was going to say, or you found this topic super compelling, but now you're hungry for more episodes, Please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR and people leaders out there, please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.